is going to be the Fact Check This Podcast, Episode 11, and today I am joined by Jim McGill, and I'm going to let Jim talk about his podcast a little bit, and then we're going to kind of have some back and forth on libertarianism, the Peddling Fishing Podcast, and just whatever else we happen to come up with this evening. So Jim, take it away. Right on. Well, Justin, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. I'm very uh, honored to be your first guest, if I am your first guest. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I I also uh, am trying my hand at podcast. Uh, I have a podcast with a couple of buddies of mine. It's called Ignore the Rant. And it's basically just a bunch of ignorant rants by a bunch of guys who are news and political, not necessarily a libertarian podcast. I'm the only libertarian on the podcast. Uh, we have me. And my buddy Arona, who is a recovering Bernie bro, and another guy, my neighbor Doug, who's an old 80s metalhead. And uh, he's got a recording studio in his basement. And we figured, hey, while you're not making music, let's make a podcast. We already talk about news and politics and, you know, current events and pop culture. Let's just hit record and put it out there and see if anybody really gives a shit about it. And uh, even if they don't, it's still some fun for us. And we'd be doing it anyway. So that's... That's uh, my, uh, that, yeah, that's all I got as far as what I'm doing. But uh, how I found you was through a mutual podcast uh, interest in peddling fiction. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to go down any of that, but uh, I, I saw your, your, your bat signal in the private Facebook group. And I said, but screw it. Let's see what happens. So thank you for having uh, me on. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, you are definitely my first interview and uh i've listened to the last couple episodes of ignore the rant and i think is i think it's really good y'all y'all are very well produced much much better produced than what i am with this show and you definitely have some good conversations uh i like the banner of not having all libertarians on because a lot of the podcasts that i do listen to tend to be all libertarians talking to each other about libertarian things from a libertarian mindset to uh so to hear some different opinions mixed in there is really good and, and y'all do have a good rapport so it's uh it's pretty good stuff i like it a lot well, i appreciate that if if there's one thing that i've learned already it's that it's actually really challenging to try to have uh political conversations with those that do not share your ideology <laughs> and even if they are your best friends and i think one of our main goals is to be able to have that conversation where we know we're not going to agree. We know that we're going to think that the other person's wrong or dumb for thinking this or what, or crazy for saying that and seeing how that conversation can still happen where we all leave at the end of the episode and we're all still friends and nobody's unfriending the other or, you know, telling one guy to move out, you know, get away from me and nobody's kicking each other out of each other's lives because it just doesn't need to be that way. So even if it sounds like we fall off the rails, uh, that's unintended, but expected. But at the end, we still, you know, we hug and make up at the end of, you know, every episode so far. So far, that's, uh, I don't think, uh, from what I've heard, I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. It seems like y'all do, uh, y'all do have a very good uh, respect for each other and each other's opinions. And you definitely make it entertaining. Uh, so what brought you to Peddling Fiction? You were talking about that a little bit uh, before we got started. And so I was going to let you, because like I said, uh, with these uh, crossover episodes, I really kind of want to get with the Peddling Fiction crowd and uh, kind of get some ideas on 
what we've got going on in there and see kind of where you came from and what brought you both to uh to libertarianism and also to peddling fiction sure so i will start first with uh i guess me finding libertarianism um like most people when i was younger you know all the way up through college uh i'm 38 so i was in college until the mid so i was leaving college when ron paul came onto the scene and the 2008 revolution is what just opened my eyes i'd never heard anybody talk like that on a presidential you know debate stage and it just made sense immediately and so that was the spark for me like most people i at least meet that's my age that was the spark for me where i said i need to find out more about this guy find out why he's And I think around 2012, somewhere around there, podcasting became basically what it is now. And I wanted to seek out more conversations like that. And I think uh, through the pipeline of Joe Rogan to he had Dave Smith on, I started listening to Dave Smith. And basically it was like, this guy's saying everything better than I would. And uh, I guess it was about a year ago or I'm, I'm, my time's all messed up 2020 days or weeks, weeks or months. And who knows what, but, uh, Dave Smith on part of the problem was running an ad for peddling fiction. And I said, well, he hasn't let me down yet. I imagine this will be just as good. And so I immediately started listening, haven't stopped. And Johnny Provita is like, he says everything he's blunt. He just gets right to it. And, uh, there's so many times where if, a friend of mine has a question about something or they have a stance on something. And I'm like, I have a thought, but let, here, let me, let me let you listen to this. Cause this guy says it way better. And, uh, and if you get mad, it's at him and not at me. So here, I'll let Johnny do the talking for me. Um, and then I guess halfway through the summer, maybe around June, Johnny said, Hey, by the way, we do have a private Facebook page. Come on in. And I'm, I'm part of a handful of other private Facebook pages uh, for like Good Morning Liberty, Death to, or not Death to Tyrants, uh, Lions of Liberty, Tom Woods, part of the problem before it got zucked. And so I was like, bring it, bring it, let's add it on. And so I got in there and it was a slow go. And uh, I really enjoyed your Monday meme stream. And I think that's kind of where I've had the most fun. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's the longest answer to your short question, but that's kind of how I got to where we are now. Well, that's, it seems like a lot of people did find him through, uh, Dave Smith and part of the problem. I actually had, uh, that's how I found peddling fiction as well. I had come around to Dave. I I had no idea who Dave Smith was. I was actually listening to a, uh, Joe Rogan episode. And then, uh, so I was originally, I listened to the Joe Rogan and, uh, Jocko Willick and, uh, Tulsi Gabbard interview. Cause i I really wanted to hear what she had to say. And cause I, like I was kind of paying attention to her during the democratic primaries. Cause she seemed like the only candidate that the Democrats had that, uh, I would actually have any interest in voting for. And so I, I listened to that interview and then I'd listened to a few more, uh, Rogan episodes. And one of them, he had Michael Malice on. And so then I went and listened to Malice's show and then Malice and Dave Smith did their crossover episodes. And so that got me listening to part of the problem. And then, and then, and then, and, uh, so now I'm like neck deep in it just, libertarian it just podcast. It keeps on going. 
I know. Cause, so, uh, it's, it's almost podcast inception. I know. And uh, so over the summer, at one point, Johnny, on one of his episodes, he had uh, said that he had a private Facebook group and a YouTube channel and that he didn't really do anything with them. And he really needed somebody to run his social media type stuff for him. And uh, a week or so later, I sent him a message on uh, Twitter. And I said, have you ever found anybody to run your social media for you? And he said, no, would you want to do it? It's like, okay. So, so that was how I kind of fell into the, the private Facebook group. And then uh, I do the YouTube, the little YouTube clips and stuff like that. And so trying to get some engagement going with the, I do feel like the, uh, the meme stream for sure has uh, gotten some good engagement going on the, on the Facebook group and other people post some pretty good stuff. It's uh it's been really cool to see that kind of grow here over the last few months. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been less and less active on Facebook, especially recently, because if you post anything of really any quality, your chances of ruining someone else's page only goes up. So um, I've seen a lot of people move over to like MeWe, Parler, or all the, you know, you got Minds, Gab, all this other stuff popping up now. So um I want to be more active, but I really don't want to destroy the page either. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of walking it as, you know, closely as I can without having to, you know, really run for the hills. But, uh, I think we would, uh, I think we would wear it as a badge of honor if you totally destroyed the page. (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully, uh, I don't know if Johnny listens to these, but, uh, hopefully I can get his blessing and be like, Hey, if you got, let's see who can nuke it the fastest. <laughs> Heck yeah. And, uh, and if you do happen to totally destroy it, I've got a MeWe uh, page set up for it already. So we've got a backup if we need to run for the hills. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll join you over there as well. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know, you know, I was always curious cause I did hear him, uh, give you a, a mention on one of the episodes and I, you know, only having an audio relationship with, with, you know, the podcast. I, I didn't know if y'all were like childhood friends, if you were down in Mexico with them, you know, when, uh, <laughs> when you set this up, I was like, how they, man, Mexico internet must be awesome. Um, so yeah, I had no idea what the, what the background or what the backstory was on that. Nope, I'm just a random dude who uh, kind of fell into it. <clears throat> right on, right on. Well, I can tell by your accent, you sound like you're from a certain region of the United States that uh, that I live in. Are you, are you do you are you from the South? Yeah, uh, so I'm from the Kentucky Tennessee state line originally, and then uh, I lived in Arkansas and Mississippi for a while, and then uh, currently I'm in Indiana. Uh, okay. So I'm uh, I was raised Southern, and then there you go. You got your yeah. big G on your your G and your uh, Braves logo so i i can assume you're from georgia yep born and raised in georgia still live in the atlanta metro area went to college down at a university in southern georgia uh statesboro uh, georgia southern had a lot of fun down there um got family all over the state you know this is this is home for me and i can i can pick up a familiar accent with the best of them (laughs) so in the uh the part of georgia around Atlanta where you live, did uh, y'all get to experience any of the violence or uh, craziness that was going on over the summer? So, yeah, a little bit we did. Um, I'm in, uh, well, I'll say 
doesn't matter to me. I'm in Gwinnett County. It's uh, one of the metro counties just east of northeast of downtown. It's at the two o'clock, you know, on the clock of Atlanta. Uh, you know, because we did, as soon as the Rayshard Brooks incident happened, uh, much like other places across the country, uh, unrest erupted immediately. And within the week following that, we had some uh, local outbursts here in the county to the point where they even had individuals going and trying to firebomb cop cars at police officers' houses um, in residential areas of which I do reside. So it wasn't very awesome. So yeah, shortly after the Rayshard Brooks incident here in Atlanta, there was you know unrest almost immediately, and it lasted for days, more so at the scene of the incident. But I'm in... You know, I'm in a county that butts up to Fulton County where the incident happened. So it obviously spilled over into other neighboring counties and it, uh, they had some, they had some protests here, which were not that bad. And then like a week after there were groups of people that were going to police officers homes here in this County, uh, trying to firebomb, uh, cop cars at their residences and, you know, I live in the residences that those police live, some of them. So it got a little, a little closer to home than I think uh, I was expecting. Um, and so, yeah, things were a little tense there for a few days. It did calm, excuse me, it did calm down. Um, but more so, uh, the, the field that I work in requires me to go visit all types of properties in the metro, actually all over the Southeast. And for probably actually still to this day, I avoid the area of the Wendy's where it happened uh, because I mean, they've straight up come out and said, you know, if you're the wrong color at the wrong intersection, we're going to, you know, we're going to make it known that you shouldn't be here. And uh, most all my family's law enforcement uh, from my dad being a local law enforcement officer uh, to my stepdad being uh, a, a retired special agent. And so so I have a little different perspective than I think most, uh, I can understand the, up, you know, the unrest, the upsetness, and I can also understand the police side. And I'm also a libertarian. So I'm very torn. Uh, a lot of times when these kind of things happen, uh, the one thing that, uh, that I will trust is if I'm talking to, you know, family that's still in law enforcement and they say, Jim, do not go near that area. This isn't, they're not playing around and this isn't something that you want to try to go, you know, take a shot for the gram and say, look at me, you know, they, uh, they meant business and it, it was pretty sketchy for a little while, but you know, Atlanta comparatively speaking, uh, has been fairly calm, um, uh, given 2020 and all the craziness around it. So I don't know what that means in a normal year, this would be really bad for Atlanta, but comparatively speaking to the rest of the country, uh, luckily it hasn't lingered as long as, you know, other areas. Well, I saw they, uh, they burned down the CNN building or overran it or whatever. And that was pretty exciting. But yeah, I didn't yeah. mind that at all. I, I, I kind of wish that they would have, uh, maybe, you know, I, I won't get into that, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't bothered. Well, that didn't bother me a bit. I say, but beyond that, uh, the, uh, Atlanta coverage kind of, at least on, uh, a more national level, I guess it really didn't get covered a whole lot after that first couple of weeks, like after you, uh, you saw the pictures of the CNN building, 
beyond that, there wasn't really a lot, at least around where I'm from, there wasn't really a lot of talk about Atlanta. It, it mostly focused on Chicago and, uh, and then like LA, New York, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the, the one thing that Atlanta did uh, differently is the mayor came out the night of and spoke out against it. Uh, she ended up backtracking, uh, which I think really confused a lot of people. And, you know, obviously it's a Democrat mayor. Uh, I can't vote for her. Uh, but after the first night that she came out with Killer Mike and T.I., uh, I think the I know Killer Mike was there. I think T.I. might have been. Um, and and we ha- they had that press conference and she said what she said, which was basically like, hey, get your get your asses back home. This is Atlanta. We don't do that here. And I was like, hell, yeah, if I could vote for you, I would. And then a week later, she came out and said that uh, all of this civil unrest and uh, all the violence is totally justified. and We totally understand. And. And then we had the Atlanta police chief, you know, resign. We had cops get fired. The DA, you know, charged the officers involved way higher than it got so squirrely because you had six, I think six police officers get fired for using a taser the week before Rayshard Brooks. And then when Rayshard Brooks attempted to use the taser on the officers, the definition of what level of danger that uh weapon possesses totally changed and so everybody uh, that twisted everything a little further uh into unrest than i think it should have because you you got two different messages from the same people within a week's time and so you were kind of telling people don't do this and then a week later you were saying totally fine and um it just made for a really awkward time in atlanta which traditionally atlanta does not do riots unrest property damage we're we usually get along pretty well you know they when i was growing up in the 80s that you know the the moniker for atlanta was the busy or the city too busy to hate and it's like we've already been through all this before we've already kind of squashed this racial stuff like this isn't really new and we've all learned how to live together peaceably so this shouldn't be anything that rocks us to our core but uh yeah got a little got a little weird hope hope it kind of never happens again but who knows well fortunately i'm in a uh evansville indiana is like the big town around here and it's a it's a decent size we've got a a college and everything but uh comparatively speaking it's a pretty small town for the most part so there were some uh there were some protests and stuff that went on and my wife actually joined some friend of friends of ours from church and they went down and uh, participated in the protest and everything was very peaceful and and uh calm and everything and they had different people that spoke and it was all really really good stuff and then uh later that evening i think like two or three idiots decided to try to run up on some cops around the courthouse and ended up getting body slammed and taken to jail and that was pretty much the end of it so they uh they shut that down pretty quick yeah i mean if you're protesting police uh violence or abuse of power all you got to do is give them a reason, you know, if you already think that they're going to abuse you, you know, kind of, eh, you know, maybe, maybe not give them that reason. If yeah, you not, know that's kind of what you think that they're there for, I would, I would probably just stick to protesting and not getting not, bodies. Right, not a great approach when you already think they're here to kill you, no matter what, don't, uh, don't give them any more excuse than they, you know, they already have. Yeah, definitely. And if there's anything that we've learned in 2020, it's that, uh, you know, shit will go down and it doesn't really take that much nowadays, which 
I think is a dangerous precedent. And I don't know if it's going to remain, if it's going to remain isolated to just this year, because I think we've become a little conditioned to it. You know, I know, you know, back in May, and well, let me backtrack. I don't know if you remember, but in Georgia, you had the Ahmad Arbery shooting that happened, I think, back in February. Yeah, it was way, well, it might have been, I think it might have actually happened in like January. And then it didn't start getting any media attention until like March or something because the guys who did it were, had some connections within the police force there in that area. And so it had kind of gotten ignored. And then, it ended up coming back around and it got brought up and so it uh it had happened quite a bit before when it got attention and then when it got attention within a month was when the George Floyd and then everything was so it, it kind of was the first domino in that chain but, yeah. yeah so my my take on it is it's a little it's probably a little different take and um you know, I like to have fun, try to connect dots, whether they're there or not, not go full tinfoil hat or Alex Jones, but it just seemed odd to me that the Ahmad Arbery case happened months earlier. COVID comes a couple months after that. Lockdowns happen. Georgia was one of the first states to reopen or at least restrict lockdown measurements. And as soon as that news came out, poof, all of a sudden the video is there. And it was like, hmm, it's almost like this was timed uh not saying it is not saying it isn't just connecting dots whether they're, they're there or not and then there wasn't a lot of unrest uh, i think people weren't you know their their emotions weren't elevated that much at that point they were they were ready to sit back and say well we have our take i have my opinion i think nfac members went down there to you know make a you know make a presence known but nothing really happened out of that now and then everybody kind of just went back to let's adjust to COVID. And then, you know, in May, when a lot of states were talking about reopening, boom, now the video of George Floyd happens. And now it's just unrest time. And I just, to me, if there's one thing about 2020, COVID, civil unrest, campaigns, election, everything, there's so many anomalies and there's so many coincidences that once you stop back and look at the year as a whole, you start to go, I don't know if I really buy that all these things just happened. Yeah. That they all just so happened to fall in line at these exact right times. There are, uh, if you, if you really wanted to go full tinfoil, tinfoil hat, there are some conspiracies out there that George Floyd is a, uh, was a paid actor he's not actually dead that uh the whole thing was staged and uh and they've got him hidden away somewhere and in uh in a few years when everybody forgets all about him then he'll get to come back out and resume a normal life yeah he's hanging out with tupac and tom petty and they're just waiting for their moment to come back and you know have their moment in the sun i guess but yeah i don't know to me i just looked at it more as uh, everything that happened post impeachment just all happened to work in one direction and it's like the most cataclysmic year that i can ever remember you know uh we we were breaking records on the number of storms <laughs> you know hurricanes we're breaking the streak of protests in some of these cities like when this all this popped off in may my neighbor and i 
we immediately found uh, a website called woke.net where it just it was the tv guide of every live streamer that was at every protest and i was like oh let me go get the popcorn i'm gonna watch all this and so for over a hundred nights i gave up after like day 17 i was like okay i get it they get mad they break stuff um but my neighbor he stuck with it for like 100 days he was just man portland's going off you got to check it out and i was just like you know i've never seen anything like this like third president ever to get impeached that's enough for a year i mean that would be enough to round out any normal year and then you know covid it's like well that's like once in a century so i think we've covered a few years there and then all of a sudden it's like oh multiple cities popping off and protest okay this seems to be stacking and stacking really heavy over to one side now what the fuck is going on um and then you get to the election obviously you know with the dnc pushing everything behind biden holding out bernie you know taking him and pushing him to the back again uh it's funny the 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 party that's asking for unity and to trust the election has two consecutive elections of well suppressing <laughs> suppressing election results uh, as far as what the people wanted and uh, i think bernie bros should be pretty red-pilled at this point um and then i mean it I don't even know where to start. I'm all over the place because 2020 is the most insane shit I've ever seen. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, since you're bringing it up, the election, what do you think about all of the kind of conspiracy theories that are flying around with that as far as uh, voter fraud? And is it going to make a difference? Like, where where are you with all of that? I was listening to your uh, the episode that y'all released of uh, Ignore the Rant on Monday, and you were talking about... Uh, Y'all were talking about some of that and having some disagreement on it. And so I wanted to get your unfiltered uh, opinion on that. Yeah. So I'm glad you asked that because I, I came in, we record on Fridays and then we were released on Mondays. And um, I like to have show prep. I like to have notes written out, headlines, articles. Uh, and so does Arona, another co-host with us. So he and I, we were ready to rock and we get in there. But Doug is a news junkie. He watches news. Not He's watching news right now. I guarantee it. I, I'll just bet a hundred bucks. He's watching news right now. And so he gets so burnt out by the end of the week. Then the last thing he wants to do is talk about news. And I'm like, well, we're a, we're a current events and politic, you know, political uh, podcast. This might prove to be problematic. So when I came in and I was like, I've got 15 anomalies, affidavits, uh, dominion, a water pipe burst with no proof in Atlanta. Where do you want to start? Let's go through all of them. And he was like, None of it matters. And I was like, son of a bitch. It's like, how are you going to? And I, I, I talked to him after the show and I was like, Doug, if you bought a movie ticket and, and the person handing you the ticket says, oh, yeah, Batman gets a girl at the end. Are you still going to go watch the movie? And he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm like, yeah, we, we got to put on a show, too. So I'm glad you asked. There's quite a few I want to go through. I'll, I'll start with this. I do think Joe Biden will be president come january 20th i agree i I don't think there's anything they're going to do that's going to stop that no and i i think that there's just too much to go through to overturn it i think that it was a concerted effort to overwhelm the system i do believe that the democrats i mean it was obvious they they went full court press get mail-in ballots mail them in mail twice show up mail it in go to another state you know it was like it was just like mail you know, 
vote, 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 vote. Get out the vote. Every single get out the vote commercial of all time has always been Democrat leaning. And I've never seen it pushed as hard as I did this year. And it worked because they, there's fraud in every election. And I don't think anybody really seriously questions that anymore. So it stands to reason that if there's fraud in every election and you have an election that has the highest number of votes of all time, the amount of fraud's going to increase. It's just, you know, I'm not a mathematist, but that seems pretty reasonable. So do I think it was law of statistics? <laughs> exactly. Do I think it was rife with fraud? Absolutely. Do I think it was intentional? Indefinitely. Absolutely. Without a question in my mind. Do I think that there's enough evidence that they can prove it that will change the outcome? No, I don't. But again, the election was like a microcosm of the year that has been 2020 when you just you just have these things that are just stacking up and stacking up and it's like how many coincidences are we supposed to accept before we start calling bullshit on the whole thing on the whole system you know who in their right mind still trusts it you know you you had multiple states simultaneously stop their voter voting count in multiple states and they almost all did it at like the same time. Like it was roughly the same time that they all, and they're on different time zones and they all just like, all right, we're going to stop for now. It's like, yeah, it seems, it seems odd to me that they can be that coordinated to all stop voting at the same time. Yet two weeks later, they're still finding votes. Right. It's like, how coordinated are you? If you can't, again, is that another coincidence that you all just all decided to stop counting, which I've never heard of before, especially in multiple States, but, you're that organized to stop counting, uh, but you're not organized enough to find a jump drive that just happens to have 1,200 votes for, for Trump in a local county right down the road here. It's like, I don't know. seems like there's intent. Also, the big thing, uh, the big reason why they claimed that they stopped counting in Atlanta was that there was a water uh, pipe that had burst in State Farm Arena where they were counting some of the votes. To this day, they're... I haven't seen it and I've looked and I, I go into the recesses of internet to try to see things that aren't on the, you know, mainstream and not one person has been able to produce a photograph of a water pipe burst, even a wet floor sign, a copy of a work order or an invoice for the parts needed to replace it. In fact, the only thing I have seen are copies of text messages where they say it was a leaking pipe it was way it was blown way out of proportion we just wanted to be cautious and but they used that as an excuse to tell the republican poll watchers we're gonna not we're gonna stop counting for the rest of the night they leave they keep counting for another two hours well and in this day and age where everybody is literally connected to everything all the time like anytime something comes up and it's like oh there wasn't any video or there wasn't any anything with that Anytime something like that comes up, it makes me super suspicious because, I mean, random kids will video all kinds of dumb stuff in a moment's notice. Like everybody's got their phone just queued up, ready to take pictures and film something. So if it completely went undocumented, that was a that feels like a coordinated effort to do something shady. Oh, 100 percent. And it's not only because it's a hypothesis, it's because. Anytime anything has ever happened in or around State Farm Arena, ever, there's at least a security camera on it. 
there's at least security camera of guys in yellow vests walking to go make a repair. There, there's always evidence. If you want, if it actually happened the way you're claiming it happened in a metropolis, in a downtown urban center, there's evidence of it. That's just the way it is. Even if it happened out in the middle of a cow pasture, you still have to get a work order, some level of paperwork saying that X happened. Therefore, we needed Y so that we can make the repair of Z. And I haven't seen any of that. So that leads me to believe that this was, this was, and it's not just because I think that the voting system is so flawed. I think it goes back beyond that. I think it goes back over the past four years where the establishment hates Donald Trump so much because he was not establishment. He was not part of the military industrial complex. He was not already compromised and they could not control him. And Hillary was supposed to win. Everybody knows that. I didn't vote for Trump in 16. I, I voted for Johnson Weld because I figured what difference does it make? All of this is rigged already. Hillary's going to for sure get in. The only thing that actually gave me hope in the American election system was that Trump won because that wasn't supposed to happen. And so it got me into going, oh, well, maybe voting actually does work. I mean, Shit, if this guy who clearly was never supposed to be anywhere near the White House made it, eh, maybe they actually are counting these things. So, yeah, who knows? I, the uh, talking about 16, the Republicans did everything they could to keep him from getting the nomination to begin with, and he just totally steamrolled everything they put up in his way. And uh, yeah, he was uh, definitely the, the dark horse in that whole thing. And to come out like that, I think it, uh, I think that threw such a monkey wrench in the left's plan for how they were going to move forward that it, it Trump derangement syndrome is a very, very real thing. And it's uh, kind of, as we go forward, looking like more of a scary thing, just what they're willing to do to go out of their way to get rid of somebody that they didn't want it, want to be in there. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a scary precedent that they've set. And the fact that, the media has gotten so behind it. I think it, I think that alone has red pilled a lot of people. I hope so because like just leading up to this election, if you were, well, hell uh, I talked with my buddies on my podcast about it leading up to it is like, who do you think is going to win? I'm like Trump by a landslide, you know, and this was pre COVID pre pre 2020. It was, I can't believe they're going to wheel Joe Biden up there. Everybody can see through this. They're, they're conceding this election by putting him out there, no matter who he has as VP. Oh, yeah. I said, I said it, was a, uh, it was a total tank job by the Democratic Party. Like they, were, they wanted to lose deliberately so that they could spend the next four years ramping up the outrage so much that they could just completely destroy everything in 2024. Uh, like I thought they were deliberately throwing this election when they chose Biden. Yeah. And to me, it seems so obvious. It wasn't even questionable. And so at the beginning of the year, I had Trump in a landslide, wasn't even going to be close. And then even through the summer and with Biden hiding in his basement and, you know, having gaff galore, uh, it was so clear to me. I was like, Oh, this is not even going to, be i don't even need to be up on election night and because if you just look at support like energy in the room trump had it 
by orders of magnitude over Biden. I mean, hell, Biden was having rallies where the news media had to come on and say, oh, don't forget, Biden's going to be in town. And it showed a parking lot behind him, no cars. You know, I remember one out in Arizona where they were literally like, uh, we've seen more people, you know, at a Chick-fil-A than we have even trying to, you wouldn't even know that there was a presidential candidate in town. And so I, I was like, there's no momentum. There's no energy. If, if you're going to judge anything on energy level, it's Trump and spades. And not only that, I think, I think the real story, at least as far as this election, isn't all the fraud and, 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 and all of the backroom counting and the anomalies, which are all fun to talk about. Don't get me wrong. I'm not shitting on those. But the true story is, is you had traditional GOP members, traditional Republicans, you know, neocons on both sides, the establishment, the deep state intelligence uh, community, everybody versus Trump. It wasn't Republican versus Democrat. It was Trump versus establishment. And the establishment, or some people call it the cathedral, is everything from Hollywood, uh, mainstream media, you know, the, the corporate press, um, big tech, I just keep going down the list and then Trump versus all that. So to me, the true story is, is that they had to pull out every stop imaginable and have the highest voter turnout ever to beat them. The fact that it was even this close shows you that Trump, I think had the more organic support behind him because it wasn't people voting for a guy with an R by his name. I personally feel that a lot of people were tired of the establishment, tired of the status quo, wanted to give that big finger to, to media and tech and the, you know, the approved narrative. And Trump was that. And he was totally brazen about it. He was the only president in my lifetime to ever bring up the military industrial complex multiple times in public. I mean, you yeah, know. that was, that was a uh, refreshing look at uh the president at least from from that perspective because especially with uh with well clinton the first bush clinton the second bush obama like yeah literally for my entire lifetime all the presidents have done is make sure that we either went to or stayed in war in the middle east for seemingly no reason like even with uh you know even with george w when after 9-11, like at first, you could kind of justify it. But then as it just kept going and they kept adding more stuff or the, and they went to Iraq for that bullshit, like it wasn't ever, even for the minimal amount that it might have been justified right after 9-11, they threw all credibility out the window almost immediately. Like there was, and then Obama, for as much as the Democrats are supposed to be the anti-war party, he was even worse than any of his predecessors. So, you know, to actually have a president in office saying, you know, we need to be getting troops out and, and actually bringing up and, and in uh, combating the military industrial complex in the mainstream media, that was uh, very refreshing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like what Dave Smith brought up on Rogan, I think last week when he was making his case for, you know, the pros and cons with Trump is, if you remember in the South Carolina primary and the debate leading up to that, they were in South Carolina. Trump looks over at Jeb 
and says, your brother lied us into a war. It was stupid. It was unnecessary. We didn't need the state that has Paris Island where they train Marines. He's saying this war is stupid and your brother's responsible. You know, and it's the most establishment Republican family ever. And Trump wins. And I was like, holy shit, I think I think this democracy thing might actually work out. Um, and and don't get me wrong. Is Trump libertarian? Not by a freaking long shot. But I think that the and I've said this numerous times uh, to, to people and friends and family and on my podcast, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I will defend him against the reaction against him, because I think the reaction to Trump is so much worse than Trump himself. Now, what the what the complaints against Trump are to me, don't come close to anything that's actually valid to get him on, you know, first one being dude your atf and your and your two-way stance and 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 the stuff that you've passed you know what the i don't know how if i can cuss on here but like you know what the fuck man you know you now have your 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 boston uh atf office trying to go after uh sba3 braces and, and and now you're reclassifying uh ar is based on short barrel rifles but no if you got this brace now it's it's like get the oh that that, I, that drives me up the fucking wall with trump and no one's talking about it because democrats love it and republicans don't want to say anything bad about trump because they are c- totally pussified now because they the don't want to come the problem that the republicans have gotten themselves into especially the ones who are the hardcore trump supporters is they have spent so much time fighting against the left for absolutely nothing that they accuse or you know that they say is bad about trump all the time that when trump does do something bad I, I don't think they feel like they can say anything about it because they have spent so much time fighting so hard and so then you're left with the only ones who are actually saying anything about any of it are the libertarians and we're such a small voice in the middle <laughs> yeah yeah so for the past three and a half years to all my friends that hate trump I sound like I'm a MAGA flag waving, you know, just paint me up orange and let's get out there and rally, boys. I, we got to get this boy elected. And, and that's something I, that I've dealt with, too, uh, on my Facebook page. Like, I don't know how many times over the last four years I've said I did not vote for Trump and I absolutely do not support Trump. But and it's like yeah. To... yeah, it's like the crap that you want to get him on. Oh, he's. He's misogynist. He's racist. He's xenophobic. He's all these other catchwords that come out of the far left, which libertarians don't give two shits about. So it's like that just misses us. It's like I want to talk about, you know, other things. And I want to praise him for things that you're shitting on him on, you know, not expanding uh, the, the, the wars, not ending them. That's what I want to bust him on. Uh, waiting until you lose an election before you you make the call to you know bring troops home like what the fuck dude but at the same time you have guys within your own ranks that are lying to the president about what's happening over there so that he doesn't have the full support to make that call so it's like don't the the system is so bad that you're making me a libertarian defend trump that should say everything that needs to be said 
because I would rather be railing against Trump about the shit that we care about and that everyone should care about. And the right, way that the legitimate we, bad stuff that he's doing instead of all the dumb bad stuff that he's doing that is just hurts people's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Dave Smith had a tweet earlier in the year and it was uh, this was pre COVID. This was right after the impeachment. And he said something to the effect of if Trump does win reelection, he will have overcome uh, the intelligence community, mainstream media, big tech, Hollywood, an impeachment, and just kept going on. He was like, that's the most punk rock shit ever. And I was like, you know what? I'm almost now going to support the guy because he's the only reasonable person who could actually uh, stick it to the system. Because let's be honest, nobody that the LP was going to roll out there was going to do anything with a, you know, when there's a personality like Trump on the stage. And so that was, that's disheartening, but we're libertarians. We're used to losing. I wanted to see, I wanted to see Trump win, to be honest, because I think that the policies of the left are far, far worse than Trump's ineptitude on the right. Most definitely agreed. And so I want to use that to uh, kind of transition into what I think we'll sort of close on and we can go as long as you want on this, but, you know, talking about, uh, him being able to be more effective than any Libertarian Party candidate. I know y'all had talked a little bit about uh, Hornberger and stuff on your on your show a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, what did you? What was your opinion of the Libertarian Party's uh, selection process for the their presidential candidate, and then ultimately landing on Jorgensen and and Spike Cohen? Uh, did you get involved very much? What were your uh, thoughts on all of that? So I come out of the Mises caucus camp as far as my affiliation with libertarianism, libertarian party and, and the rest. I do too. So, I try to uh, promote the Mises caucus as much as I can in the Belling fiction Facebook group. Cause I feel like that's a, it's a strong point for everybody in that group. Like we all mostly lean in that direction. So I try to point everybody in that direction as much as I can. Yeah, and I think you said it best on one of your episodes is that the Mises Caucus is libertarians for libertarians. I mean, it's it's cut and dry. It ain't that complicated. And so, obviously, my support was behind Jacob. And I had watched a handful of his speeches and heard people that I respect, you know, give their take on him. And I I was putting my support behind him because I didn't see... Uh, the most important issues he was good on the only one I think that he had that I was, I'm still questionable on, you know, I don't know if I'm a real libertarian depending on my take on this, but he is open borders and I'm not, but that's a debate for another day. To me, if you align with me more than 70%, you're likely going to get my support. And if you align with me 95%, you're for sure going to get my vote. So Hornberger was very much in that camp. And then all of a sudden when uh, w- when their decision came out and all of a sudden it was Joe Jorgensen, I was like, who the fuck is that? I don't even know who that is. And we're talking the Libertarian Party. There's a lot of, I don't know who the fuck that is. And she was one of them. And so I said, well, okay, the Mises Caucus is new. They haven't been around that long. They don't have the full pull to, I guess, get it done yet. That's fine. Uh, I'll be along for the ride regardless. And so I was like, well, let's give her a shot. You know, I can't be against her if the Libertarian Party 
voted her, you know, nominated her. Let's see where she takes this. And, you know, so immediately I started trying to find things, you know, uh, any information, speeches, conferences, online persona. Okay, who is this person before I start going full bore? Um, and I paid more attention to Spike in the beginning. He seemed to be more vocal. His social media, uh, he was on every damn podcast that I listened to before Joe, probably because he was more available because of the, you know, not being president, the presidential candidate. And at first I was like, fuck yeah, this guy gets it. He's, he's going to be able to carry the message and sell this idea, which it's ridiculous. It requires any level of salesmanship. Um, but I, I was like, Hey, this, that's, that's my boy. All right. I'm riding with these people. And, and they had me, uh, all the way up until I guess the infamous, you know, it's not enough to be actively, or it's not enough to be, uh, actively not racist. You must actively be anti-racist or whatever tweet. And when they sided with, you know, from what I feel is an extreme left position, uh, cause as libertarians race doesn't mean shit to us. You know, are you against, I think Johnny Profita said it the best. He's like, are you against tyranny or not? Are you against the state or not? You know, you, you get rid of the state, you get rid of uh, the abuse of power. Black people are also helped by that. So BLM should be on our side before we should have to try to be on their side. I don't know if he said it that way. Maybe I, maybe I filtered it differently, but well, that's something I've been trying to, I've been trying to say for a few weeks now is like, because I, I, I grew up in a uh, predominantly black community and a predominantly poor black community. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a small river town in Southwest Kentucky. Uh, so there's really not a lot there. And, you know, the black people that I grew up with are not the black people that represent the uh, democratic party, you know, and, yeah. and the black people that are very active in libertarianism are the people that represent those, those poor black communities in different parts of the world or different parts of the country that like people should be looking to and hearing what they have to say. And if they would pay attention to it, a lot of people would turn to libertarianism because it really is the best choice for them in that. Yeah. And, and a big part of that, I'm glad you brought that up while all this was going on, I was watching the reaction by Eric July uh, by Maj Ture, Larry Sharp, you know, prominent black figures in the Libertarian Party, and they were all saying, "Nah, nah, this this isn't this isn't the way." And Eric July, good God, he went off. Um, yeah, for that was... weeks about. I'm not about this. I'm not asking for anybody's help or permission to be black, or you know, I I don't want white people to feel guilty uh for shit they never did and he was like so therefore i'm against all of this argument that's coming at us and i it's i i everything that i heard eric saying i was like that makes sense to me based on my life experiences where i grew up down here in the south we we i mentioned this earlier you know atlanta it's like we already went through this we already got this figured out what i don't need to go through all this with everyone it's almost like they're they're trying to figure out something that we've already lived with for 30 years plus, you know, my whole life I grew up, you know, I grew up, uh, my dad was a uh, local County 
police officer and my mom was a bank teller. Um, we were lower middle class and we lived amongst every other race of people and we were all in the same class and we all hung out. Nobody gave two shits about the, the, the color of your skin. And we all got along. We all lived in harmony. Our parents didn't hate each other. Like there was no tension whatsoever. So to me, when all of this starts coming back up and you have white fragility and uh, white privilege and all these things that now are being thrown at me. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're expecting from me, but it all seems pretty ridiculous. I, I don't think that this is in any level um, an attempt at making things better. I think that this is more so just venting frustration about things that you've been told uh, that everyone else believes, which they don't. And, and I, I think it's, it's not a, uh, an attempt at healing. It's an attempt at revenge for something that they perceive incorrectly. And, you know, I know that's a sensitive topic and that's why I, I that's why I don't care about race because I understand it's something that no one can control. So why make it, why, why put any value on it at all? You know, it's, you know, of course, I'm sorry that anybody gets mistreated based on the color of their skin. Uh, of course, that's evil. Who doesn't know that? Why are we still having this conversation? That's where I'm at. You know, it's like, to me, if you want true equal treatment amongst the races, it seems pretty simple. The, the, the second that you bring race into it, you're automatically separating people based on an immutable characteristic that no one can control. And so now you're putting value in something that cannot be increased or decreased. You, I can't up my whiteness. I can't decrease my whiteness. There's no value in it. I don't know why this is a determining factor into who I am. If you um, buy Ugg boots, if you buy Ugg boots, that'll instantly take your whiteness up at least seven points. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm drinking a, a local uh, Atlanta IPA, so I guess I'm twice as white right now. Uh, tomorrow I'll be, you know, less white, I guess. Well, so I did. Uh, Spike was you. You were talking about Spike and the messaging that he was coming out with, and uh, and I thought when Spike went on Dave Smith and more or less defended the the infamous tweet. I didn't uh I didn't consider his defense of it all that pandering like I guess from having worked on uh local level political campaigns and having really actively campaigned for uh George W Bush in 2004 and kind of just being around politics as far as that kind of stuff goes like I I understood uh the messaging that Spike as the vice presidential candidate needed to deliver uh to remain at least somewhat you know on par with what the the campaign wanted to do like obviously he can't just go on joe or on uh dave smith's show and be like oh yeah that was an awful tweet and like we never should have sent that that was stupid like obviously yeah. he he couldn't just go do that so sure. i i thought he uh presented himself well on part of the problem and then i got to go see spike with a buddy of mine in uh st louis or just outside of St. Louis, uh, and listen to him speak, and and he was he was very engaging and a lot of fun, and like we got to actually like bump elbows with him and get pictures taken and stuff, and it was it was great. And uh, 
his energy and everything was really good. And I did like Jorgensen's, uh, if you read some of the things that she's written, she is very intelligent, mm -hmm. but if you listen to her talk, she's not super engaging. And I, so that was kind of a, like as much as I liked her as a, as a person and as a libertarian, as a candidate, she was kind of soft. I, I voted for, uh, so like I, I was hoping, I was really hoping that the Libertarians would get the 5% and like eke, eke it out, get 5% and at least be able to set something up for 2024 to really pick up some steam. But it, it kind of is what it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And and definitely don't take me wrong. I don't have anything against Spike or Joe. Uh, I think they're great people. I do think they are real Libertarians. I know that seems to be a pretty popular thing these days to have Libertarians self-determined if another person is one. Uh, that's not where I'm at at all. Um, I, I just think that as far as a campaign, they made a strategic uh, misstep. And I can understand. I mean, it's what's happening. You have to talk about it. You have to, you know, you got to address it. You're not running away from it. It was just, I think, I think just me as an individual, uh, race is just something that I'm just so tired of. Just so tired of. Because, like I said, we do, we do kind of live in harmony with, you know, all the different races in, in Atlanta and all over Georgia that we just, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of old school. It's like, you know, back in the day, you didn't ask somebody who they were voting for. Uh, and it was kind of a sign of respect race. We all understand it's a thing. We just live with it. And so when they made, uh, you know, when they, when they brought it up or, or, or I guess made it a point to bring it up, I was just like, ah, oh, I can't, I, I just can't it, just for me personally. I was just like, damn it. <laughs> like you're such good libertarians. Just stick to libertarianism. You have, you have a, a, you have a year where the government is telling its citizens they can't go to work and they can't leave their house. And you've got all of this overreach. And, and, and I just, I didn't see them really hit on that. I was like, if there was ever a year for libertarianism, holy fucking shit. And as soon as you make whenever as soon as you make it racial, you're gonna you're automatically losing people that you're not gonna win back over. So as a campaign, it was just a bad strategy. I still think they're fine people. I still hopefully one of these days I'll get to meet Spike. I would love to have a chat with him. He seems like a very engaging good dude. Well, and especially with doing that, uh, with you know making it about race and bringing that up, especially when as a party we do have people like Eric July and Mosheray. But I guess it, I think that uh, kind of comes back to the Mises versus Prags uh, within the, and the infighting that the Libertarian Party kind of has to deal with because, uh, you know, Hornberger was the Mises Party's candidate and Jorgensen was not. And so Jorgensen didn't really have a, uh, a large contingent. I know there were a few Mises folks that were within the campaign and doing stuff. But she didn't have a really large contingent, and so I think the uh, the Prague side of the party kind of pushed some of that messaging that ended up backfiring. And then, of course, they're not going to reach out to guys like Eric and and Maj because they don't parrot the the Prague uh, line. So you know, it's it uh, if the Libertarian Party could get past the infighting and figure out a way to do like the 
as much as I hate to say it, to do like the Democrats, where all of a sudden we decide, yep, this is our candidate, and everybody gets behind them and just like, fuck everything else, we're going to do this. It would be so much better, but we, uh, we're all too, we're too libertarian for those other not so libertarians. Yeah. And, and that's a big reason why I think the libertarian party as a party will have a very tough time reaching its end goal. Um, as long as that continues, just like how you said it, because there's, it's, it's almost like a nonstop purity test. You know, if you say something, if you react to something and it's like, oh, that's like something a Keynesian would say. It's like, well, I'm sorry. I mean, let's have a discussion. Maybe correct me. I mean, maybe, maybe I didn't get to the end of all these books. Maybe you have already and maybe you can help a brother out. Let's get to that goal. And, you know, but that's just not, that's just not there because we're, we're so libertarian that, <laughs> And we're so libertarian that, you know, fuck your libertarianism is basically where it is. Um, and, and going back on what you said, if, if they reached out to the people who had the greatest reach within the libertarian party, you would, you would be reaching out to the Tom Woods, the Dave Smiths, the Eric Julys, the Maj Toure's, not kicking Maj Toure out of the party the year before. You know, how can you come out pro all this when you just kicked out one of your most prominent members uh, for reasons still to this day unknown. So I think the first thing you got to do is you got to get a chairman and I know that they made a change, but, uh, if I can go back in time, get a chairman that doesn't say if we're running Dick Cheney on the libertarian party, you must vote for him because he's on the libertarian ticket and maybe have principle over party. I think that's the problem is the libertarian party puts the party above principle and puts the party above libertarianism. And that pisses off libertarians to no end to where they will go vote for a Trump just to stick it to the libertarians. Oh, because in 2016, now, I voted for Daryl Castle as a write-in ballot or write-in candidate here in Indiana because he wasn't on the ballot. Uh, he was the Constitution Party candidate. Yeah. I did not like Johnson Weld. Uh, Weld's a war hawk, and Johnson didn't actually seem to know what he was talking about as far as libertarianism went. Yeah. And no, I was just like, I, I'm not, I can't vote for those guys. They, they don't actually represent what I believe is libertarianism. And then I didn't like Trump and obviously Hillary was horrible and always will be. So I, I'm like, all right, I'm writing in. And I, I guess I should have wrote in Harambe, but I, I just couldn't get on that boat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally feel you. Uh, if I was thinking better back in 16, I would have probably wrote in Harambe. But, you know, the one thing that's without a doubt, the current political climate as it stands now, uh, the Democrats will never be in any level of worrying about getting my support. There's not a single policy or position they carry that I will ever support. Hillary is probably the most evil, conniving candidate I've ever seen in my entire life. And... And there's not a single thing that the left or the Democrats stand for that I can even 10% stand behind. Not a single one. I haven't, haven't seen it. I've looked into it. Nope. Don't like any of it. Don't want it. So they will, they're automatically like, if it was a, if it was a vote between Trump and Joe Jorgensen, Oh, what a better world we would live in. Uh, because even if Trump still got elected, well, at least they were not expanding wars. And, you know, to me, 
I, I look at, I have to rank, okay, what's the most important? You know, what's the most important thing? And to me, war is, if not number one, it's like 1.1. And, and who has the best chance at winning and who has the best chance at uh, actually impacting that? And so this last time, I got to be honest, I voted Trump, not because I support him, not because I own a MAGA hat. Uh, it, it was an FU to the system. It was an FU to the Libertarian Party in a way. And I don't, I don't know uh, really in the long run if that's going to do any good or bad. My personal take after this election is I don't know if Libertarians running out there in the presidential race is really good for the party. I, personally, I think more local elections are where Libertarians need to win. Uh, and I think in all honesty, in America, in the political you know, arena, the focus should stop being so much on the president. Like if, if nobody after these past two weeks thinks that the president is probably overemphasized and a little blown up uh, as far as how important they are, I think this past two weeks have proven that we could all stand a little less of uh, presidential importance and where the, not to be super trite, but where the political rubber meets the road is in your local elections. They're the ones that affect your your local taxes. They're the ones that got to stand behind you in the, uh, in the grocery line. You know, you can actually get them and get in front of them, get their attention. You can make change that way. If, if you actually start having more conversations like this and more podcasts out there where more people can hear the message of liberty, um, I, I, I've always felt like the majority of people are more libertarian than any other party. They just don't know it yet. And if they start voting that way locally, uh, and you, you start to get state representatives and, you know, city councilmen and co county commissioners that are libertarian, the president won't matter at all. And, and we won't be sitting here, you know, for, we only got about a year and a half before we start getting all worked up over 2024, because that's just the level of importance we put on federal elections. So what I, mean, I would like to see. It's time to start getting worked up about 2022. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm planning on. Speaking of the local stuff, I'm planning on running for uh, county commissioner here in 2022, and like it's, yeah. I've already filled out all my paperwork with the Indiana LP and been talking to uh, the county and regional organizers for uh, Indiana or for you know my part of Indiana and working on kind of getting the plan going forward. And so, yeah, I mean that's right here at home is where we have to start making the changes, and if we could get if we could get really good uh like not necessarily uh appropriate uh candidates on the presidential platform but loud flamboyant like going to actually deliver a message that's going to get people to turn their head and say oh shit what are they talking about like i think that would really help the party grow but i'd, I'd like i don't have any expectation that 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 person would actually win a presidency but it if somebody was out there like instead of being like a Joe Jorgensen that's very soft spoken and not going to rock the boat if they were out there really just like saying crazy shit and getting people's attention that would definitely start turning people over to be like hey I, I might need to go look into this a little bit yeah and if they're not going to say crazy shit I will 
and so I'll do it on Ignore the Rant every week, and uh, and I'll, I'll say all the ridiculous shit so they don't have to. And and not that I'm gonna have the same reach that they will, but you know, it's a slow process. We didn't get here overnight. We didn't get to this crazy fucked up system that has more bureaucrats than you know elections and uh, or elected you know individuals overnight. This and it's not gonna take. Uh, one election or two elections to even begin to chisel away at it. Um, so it's, it's a slow process that I think takes time. You got to almost, you, you're swimming up the stream. And so you gotta, you gotta win the little ones and start stacking those up. And, you know, like look at the governor of what, who is it? Uh, North Dakota or South, South Dakota? Dakota, South Dakota. And, you know, she's already looking like she's going to be on the ticket for 2024, uh, you know, the presidential race. If Trump doesn't decide to, you know, do an Jump extra reel of Adderall and say, let me get at it. Um, and I think that somebody like that could win because you, you don't have to be a libertarian to be for liberty. And that's the most important thing. Liberty over everything else. And I don't give a shit if you're if you got a D or an R or a Green Party or a Libertarian you know, if we can get all Libertarian Party members voted in, hooray. That won't be a sad day in my in my world. I'll be happy as shit. I'll learn how to do a backflip, and I'll do about 45 of them out back. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. You know, Ron Paul ran as a Republican. Thomas Massey ran as a Republican. Justin Amash, you know, after he got voted in as a Republican, then left the Republican Party to be a Libertarian. There's a model of success already in front of us. And to me, it's just principle over party. Um, and if we can get more liberty minded people, regardless of what party you're on in office to make the difference in which I hope you will have that opportunity. I, hell, maybe I need to get in touch with my local DNC representative, see how I can get some votes your, up your way. <laughs> but, um, I, I think that's where it all starts. I, I truly do. Um, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I made the blasphemous comment that I did vote Trump, but I did vote libertarian down ticket everywhere. There was a libertarian down ticket where in my local elections, like Shane Hazel, who's awesome. Uh, he's got a podcast called radical with Shane Hazel, solid, solid on everything. Um, and you know, I hope that guys like him get, you know, some more prominence and, and we can actually start making an impact and get rid of, uh, well, the establishment, people that go in there you know I, I know a lot of people like to rail against the two-party duopoly and there's a lot of argument against that but i say there's an argument also to be made that if that's the system you got to play within what's what people know and it's up to us as liberty-minded individuals to work within the rules that they've set and still go own their ass absolutely well, Jim, I think we're going to wrap on that. Thank you for joining me. I had a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we'll get to do it again one of these days. I look forward to it, man, and uh, thanks for having me on, and, and, and I hope anybody that's listening to this, if you're interested in hearing more of my ridiculous rants, uh, check us out at Ignore the Rant. I don't know if you can see it behind me, but uh, we're on Instagram at Ignore the Rant underscore podcast and on Parlor at Ignore the Rant, and um, I would love to have you on sometime. If you ever want me back on here, Maybe to clarify some of the crazy stupid shit I just said, I'd be more than happy to. So, uh, Justin, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, too. Have a good evening, Jim. You, too. And on that, we're going to wrap. I will do another one of these. I've actually got another uh, 
interview coming up with another one of the fiction peddlers. I think we're doing it tomorrow afternoon sometime. So I'll be working on getting this one out uh, sometime tomorrow. And then uh, on Friday, I'll probably get another one out. So if you're listening or watching, hope you have a good evening and I'll catch you next time.